In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. Hello. I'm Aaron, and I'm here with Patrick, uh, also known as Patch. So if you hear him called that throughout, uh, you'll know who I'm talking about. That's what his loving nickname is. But we are excited to be discussing Batman vs. Superman today. This podcast uh, is being born out of a place of joy for the movies, and we have had a lot of joy in talking about Batman vs. Superman the last few weeks, especially so because of how much it's been in the news. So pretty much everybody's talking about this movie in some form or fashion. And we, as well, have seen it and think we have something worth saying. So uh, before we get into any more details about what exactly we feel about the movie... Um, we're going to tell you a little about what our goal is with the Feel and Film podcast. Um, hopefully you will enjoy this and uh, be able to come on board with us for this ride and this journey. Uh, so Patrick, do you want to tell us a little bit about you know, how you got involved in this and what makes you want to uh, talk about movies? Sure, man. Uh, well, just to give you a little background on um, on myself, I grew up watching movies all the time. I was not a very social kid. I remember going to the video store when there were still video stores and you could actually buy videotape or buy, not, not buy, but rent. And I remember coming home on Friday nights with a couple of movies and a couple of video games and camping out on my parents' hide-a-bed in the den and just going to town for like six hours between movies and games, movies and games. But I grew up with probably every kind of movie ranging from comedies like Police Academy and Revenge of the Nerds to the horror genre of Freddy Krueger and Jason, which I have no idea why my mom <laughs> let me do that. That's just crazy thinking about it now. Um, but even to the action movies like Total Recall and Die Hard, I mean, I was just exposed to every, every type. And, uh, you know, my first movie experience was in, um, I think, well, it was 1985. I can remember because the movie I went to go see was Back to the Future. I was six. I remember coming out of the future, uh, coming out of the future. <laughs> Sorry. I remember coming out of the theater and, um, and I was saying that, that was really cool. Do you think that's possible? And my dad said something like, I don't know, maybe we should go home. Uh, and figure that out. And I said, well, I don't know if we'll get back in time. And I didn't know that I was being funny at the time, but he thought it was. So I, I, I just, I, I, I love the movie theater experience. I love going to a darkened room and getting just prepped to watch um, the, the movie experience from getting the popcorn and the soda and, and all that. And um, as I was getting, as I've gotten older, I've become exposed more to the power of storytelling in particular, uh, into the world of design and, and movies are part of that. And as I've, as I've grown my, my craft of design with, um, with graphics and things like that, I realized that really design is a story that's being told and movies are an obvious expression of that. They're an artistic expression 
And as a designer and lover of stories, I've just enjoyed seeing those new movies or in a lot of cases rewatching the old ones through that creative lens. And uh, as a result of that, I start, I'm starting to see beyond just, hey, that movie was good or that movie was bad and starting to see and appreciate the art behind the stories being told, not just the story itself. What about you, Aaron? What about what you're growing up? Well, um, very similar to yours. I mean, obviously, um, for people listening, Patrick and I grew up together. Uh, we are no longer co-located. I'm actually in Seattle right now, and he is back in our home of uh, Arkansas. But, um, you know, we we did a lot of this together through our teen years of you know, spending the night together and going through movie after movie. So that was one of my fondest memories was you know, watching, getting together with friends and watching movies before video games were big enough that, you know, when you got together with your friends to spend the night, all you did was fire up the Xbox or the PlayStation and you never got off of it. You know, we used to watch movies um, and board games. I love board games too. We did that a lot. But, you know, when I was, I guess, three or four years old, my parents were living in different places at the time. And one of my fondest memories was uh, spending the night with my dad. Um, my mom had not been able to come and move to us yet. And so I would spend some time with him maybe a week or so, weekend or so here and there. And I just remember, you know, grilling cheeseburgers and laying on the floor because we had no furniture but every weekend that i would come visit him we would grill cheeseburgers we would lay on the floor in sleeping bags and we would watch the star wars trilogy and it was great you know and you know i'm not a huge star wars fanboy i love them don't don't hate me don't turn me off yet people i know that's freaking everybody out right now no i love star wars but that memory was tied to my movie experience and it just kept going. Um, I, as time went on, you know, I loved everything from the big blockbusters. I think Jurassic Park is the movie I've seen the most in a the theater. I've seen it 10 to 15 times uh, in an actual theater. But, you know, time went on and my taste started to change. And I've gotten more into indie films and foreign films and documentaries. And, and I have a, a wide variety of interests. And I just grew to really enjoy discussing what I watched. It became more about the shared experience of viewing a film than just what I got out of it in that two to two and a half hours of sitting there watching the screen. And, you know, podcasting is an extension of that. And this is a way in which we're able to talk about these things and get more people into the discussion. And so I'm hoping that we can do that through this medium. Um, I, I'm also a very emotional movie watcher. I should warn everyone about that. I, I do cry at movies <laughs> and not just Disney movies. So I, I've been known to tear up here and there. Uh, rip, bing bong. Oh, don't get me started. But, um, you know, I leave the theater after watching Fast and Furious, and I'm that guy who is going to get pulled over for driving 75 miles an hour down the, down the freeway because I feel like I'm in that movie. Um, I leave a horror movie, I'm not sleeping that night. You know, I'm looking over my shoulder, um, I'm checking under my bed and in my closet. So I really connect on an emotional level with almost everything that I watch. And as time has gone on, um, what I've started to find is that the more movie reviews I listen to and I read, 
I see a lot of negativity. Um, and so, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot and we just have grown tired of hearing people trash movies for the sake of trashing movies. Right on. Um, and so hopefully what we can do, um, is just try to find a silver lining and bring a little bit of positivity uh, into this ball game for people that are interested in that um, and who don't really want to hear people just talk bad about a movie all the time. So, yeah, that's that's what we're looking to do. Uh, do you want to expand on that at all? or? Yeah, I mean, it's really just about finding the artistic side of, of the movie experience. And I'm not talking about getting deep thinking about what, was actually happening in Inception, although that's a fun thing to talk about. I'm really interested in getting initial reactions about the movie experience, about going to see something in particular like Batman v Superman that is so divisive on multiple fronts that sometimes I think it's easy to forget that going to a movie should be about enjoyment <laughs> and um, it should be about evoking an emotion. And, um, and we, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I mean, really this podcast is, is designed just to find the good things in, in every film being made because these are being created by people. It's not like a machine is churning out, um, films left and right. And we're just going to see them like mindless zombies. At least I hope not. I mean, I, I would think that most people that go, go to see movies find some interest in it from a trailer or from some kind of feedback from their friends by word of mouth or even from a critic, depending on the positive or negative reception that it gets. But we just we, we wanted this to be a place where we really expose the value of even the perceived worst films that have come along. Um, in the past, it might be coming up soon. And Batman v Superman seemed like the opportune moment to start doing this. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so I think our goal was, we said two movies a month, right? To start yeah. off, like that's what we're looking to do. So based on our schedules, um, you know, we're kicking this thing off and we're, we're planning on doing two, two reviews a month for you guys. Um, one will be theater-based and one will be a home streaming video pick of some sort, something on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or something you can rent, um, something everybody has access to, essentially. And we want to do that so that not everyone can go to the theater uh, every single month, and we understand that. Um, you've got to pick and choose what you're going to go see, and we want you to still be able to be a part of the conversation and join the discussion no matter what. Um, we don't have a strict criteria, criteria set for what we're looking to review, um, we're just going to kind of play that one by ear. Um, as we see films that maybe don't get the critical response we were expecting or don't get the public response that we were expecting or the, the same, maybe ones that don't have the same uh, result as what we take away from that film, um, those are ones we're going we're gonna to look at. So, Yeah, I'll just add that I think one of the fun aspects of what we're going to do, especially from the, quote, home video market, is we will probably explore movies that were critically panned, but have become cult classics, and some that were nostalgic, maybe for personal reasons, that today looked ultra cheesy. And maybe the the fun challenge in this is 
can we can we as objectively as possible find something that's worth revisiting a film for and i and i think that'll be a lot of fun on multiple levels oh yeah yeah i think i can't wait man i'm i'm excited and i'm i'm i've just has been a passion for me um i know both of us really we've we've talked about this for years um and here we are so uh, with that being said, I mean, let's let's just dive in. We've got well, one more quick thing. Oh, yeah. I just want to say this is obvious, probably going to be Captain Obvious coming out, but this is going to be a spoiler filled podcast, point. obviously, with us reviewing movies from the at home world and and movies that um, in order to kind of get into the whole quality discussion, this will be a very spoilery episode. So if you haven't seen any of these movies that we've talked about, go see them. Don't go see them. We're encouraging you to see them because this podcast, if anything, should help you um, feel good about yourself having seen them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anything. exactly. Hopefully, you'll, hopefully you'll come away from this, no matter what your experience was with a film when you actually saw it, we're hoping that you will feel better about it after listening to this talk. So, yep, absolutely spoilers are coming, and with that, Spoiler, Batman vs. Superman did not get a good critical response, right? What? Um, I know. Me? Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> so, to the tune of a current, or at last check, I will say, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 29%. Um, I, I don't know that there's been that low of a superhero film in a very long time. Well, I shouldn't say a very long time because Fantastic Four got lower than that last year. Um, but there are not very many superhero films that uh, quite dip the barrel this low. Um, the the crazy thing, though, Patrick, is that the audience score is in the 70s. Wow. Across the board, right? So we've got right. like 71% at Rotten Tomatoes. We've got a 7.0 out of 10 at Metacritic. Um, and the IMDb score is pretty pretty much in that range, too. And it's just, it seems to be this big difference between the critical response of what people who do film criticism for a living uh, think about it versus what the overall audience response is. And that doesn't mean that the audience, everybody liked it. I mean, I have, I have a bunch of friends that loved it and have a bunch of friends that did not love it. Um, But it's overwhelmingly negative from a critical perspective. Uh, And I just, I, I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, in some ways, it doesn't surprise me because I know that, in particular, this film had a lot, has a lot riding on it. That's true. I mean, it, it, it goes without saying that this is the kickstarting movie for the DCEU, so a lot had to happen in the movie in order to really set the uh, set the wheels going for this just ginormous slate of individual films and team films coming up. And so there was a lot of pressure going into it anyway. And I think when it comes to critical reception, it's really hard to tell what a critic is going to look for going in. I think that when you have um, – if, if you look at the 100 or so, 150 reviews from critics, a lot of them are saying the same thing. They're saying that – the pacing was was just really weird, and there was a disjointed stories. I even a guy that I work with had said that there were about five different stories going on. There kind of were, <laughs> and, and and I can't I, deny yeah, that. Yeah, we can't re- can't really uh, say there weren't. There were there were a lot of small plots. 
um, one of the criticisms that I think I read the most was that because Snyder is, quote, weak on storytelling, he overcompensates on visual effects. I don't personally agree with that, and we'll get into that when we talk about what we, what we liked about it. But it, it, it seemed that those are some of the major issues. And, and I can agree that that would probably, probably throw a salty uh, effect on someone's movie experience because movies are meant to be stories that are told. And when your story gets kind of muddied, it, it, can, it can leave you with a, with a sour taste. I mean, what do you think? Um, you know, I, I agree. I think I, I'll say this, regardless of what I agree with or don't agree with from a critical side, um, you know, one thing we've agreed to do in this podcast is keep the negative comments to about 10 minutes total of our 30 to 45 minute running time, you know, at the most, we don't want to overdo it. Um, we want to make sure that we are keeping that in check because we are here to talk about the positive. But, you know, since we're talking about specifically outside of just what this film was like, but the the response around it has been a whirlwind. Um, what, what I fear is that people are seeing this response from critics critics and it, and it is setting them up to not like the movie, right? So now they're not going into the movie with an open mind. And I'll admit this because I read a lot of movie reviews and I am very much in the know when it comes to this stuff. And it changed my perspective. I wanted to go into the film fresh. Um, I'm a Batman fan. You're a Superman fan, right? So like we both have skin in this game. We, we grew up with these. These are our favorite superheroes. Actually. Mine is Batman. Yours is Superman in all of comics. So we really wanted this to succeed. But before we got to it, we saw all this coming and we were like, man, it's already going to be awful. And that totally changes the movie-going experience when you're sitting in that chair because your mind is now looking for the negative instead of looking for the positive. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just I, I'm worried that with the way that film criticism is going, we are we're skewing the market here. <laughs> you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're putting people in a position to not like films um, and not be able to go into them with an open mind. Well, and there's also something to be said about almost a sense of bullying that takes place with people that have an opinion. I mean, we we live in the internet oh, age. Oh, yes, we do. And when everybody has an opinion, it seems like opinion outweighs actual experience because it in what you said on the nose, uh it 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 prevents someone from wanting to go. I I remember being so hyped about this because as a Superman fan, I, I was ready to see him take down Batman because nobody well, can beat Superman. That wasn't going to ever happen. I'm sorry. Well, I, and I just okay. I got to stop you because you're picking the wrong superhero here. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're I don't right. care if you're drinking out of a <laughs> Superman cup. This does not. This doesn't change things. I, I'll go get We're my gr- Batman costume out if I need to. <laughs> And that's just what it is—a costume, as opposed to the Superman suit. Well, oh, that's, that, that's another discussion for another day. The point being, my because of the initial negative reaction that was had, I began to doubt whether this thing could actually live up to the maybe unnecessary hype, or maybe it was necessary. And I was questioning: Should I go see this? Should I not? And I had to take a step back, and and I had to think: Okay, wait. I need to see this movie. I I'm I'm, I'm not. I, I don't enjoy movies because twenty five critics say I should. 
And I don't dislike movies because 35 critics say I shouldn't. I go to movies because that's what I do. I go to movies to see the movie. And, and so, you know, I think one of the, one of the dangers that extends beyond this is the fact that we know based on the financial numbers that Batman v Superman is a success. I mean, it has exploded with gigantic billion, millions of dollars in revenue. So it is quote unquote critic proof. However, because of the shaky ground that man of steel had much to my dismay and the shaky ground that Batman v Superman is having with the critics, or at least the divisive front that the critics and average moviegoers are, are having, this could really set up some, uh, some negative response for the future movies. And, you know, I could see Warner brothers playing a little bit of, uh, damage control in saying things like, well, this next movie is not going to be as dark or there's going to be a lot more. With you're exactly Suicide right. Squad. They've ordered reshoots to add more yeah. humor to make it right. more like Marvel because everything right. has to be like Marvel. Right. Well, even the trailer for Suicide Squad, the second one, I know you're not watching trailers this year, at least trying not to. Nope, not this year. The, the second trailer is totally different from the first, um, almost playing into the hands of a, of a Guardians of the Galaxy type set up. Um, but anyway, I was just, you know, I, I think that there's power in criticism and there's power in numbers and there can be a, there can be a real, there can be a real mess to be made of a franchise. If the power of words, which is what this is, gets, gets as, as strong as it can. Yeah, I agree, man. And it, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and many that I, I respect, I respect the people that um, I respect their opinions. I, I sometimes I align with them, sometimes I don't. That's the one thing about film criticism, you know. And that's technically what we're doing too. Let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. We we we're kind of doing it with a different slant, but we're doing the same thing, um, or the we're in the same ball game. And I respect a lot of these guys, um, but the thing that has really bothered me is I've I've listened to some podcast episodes and reviews of this movie and heard nothing but anger. I mean, to the point of people literally screaming about this film, um, longer podcasts than they normally have just because they want to trash it so much. And I say want to, I'm not trying to assume what they're, intentions are but that's what ends up happening and for me that affected my experience after going to see the film so I go see the film I'm kind of surprised that I liked it kind of unsure of myself because I was like why do I like this am I wrong I'm not in the majority what's wrong with me I consider myself a critic of sorts um, you know, I like to review movies but what's going on here why do I like it what's wrong and so I went and saw it again, and I, was, I loved it the second time even more because I went in with no expectations, and I, I got to just totally geek out and enjoy the film. But then I started listening to these podcast reviews, and they were just so negative and bringing out nothing but the most awful pieces that they could find of the film. And it really I, – I could feel it changing my perspective on the film, and that's not what I want. I don't want to see – moviegoers' opinions changed because they're inundated with negativity, you know? And so, I mean, that's why 
we're going to talk about what we loved about Batman vs. Superman. That's what we're here to do. That's what we want to do. We both enjoyed the movie. Um, I'll let you start. I'll let you go first. What What did you think? I mean, overall, what's your kick us off here? Well, to tail off the uh, the one of the criticisms of Zack Snyder is his overuse of visuals. I didn't think they were overused. I thought the visuals in this were stunning. And I will say this: in spite of the shortcomings, perceived or otherwise. Uh, of Zack Snyder and company, and he he's a master of the visuals, and I think that helped to tell the story of just the gi- just the gigantism that is Batman and Superman. We're talking about major superheroes here. We're talking about guys that are larger than life when it comes to their personalities and whatnot, and specifically. Some of the visuals that I caught were obviously the um, the the whole sequence between Batman taking down Superman in some instances and Superman taking down Batman in some instances. But I loved, um, in particular, Wonder Woman when when Doomsday fires off his gigantic like laser laser breath or whatever you call that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was Doomsday a, was full of uh, full of surprises. He was full of hot air in, some, in more ways than one. Kryptonian laser eyes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. But I, I just remember vi- vividly seeing these indestructible bracelets just absorbing that fire. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I want those bracelets, you know? Oh, yeah. Once you want <laughs> they would probably look, fight. They would look terrible on me, but I would want those, right? <laughs> That's true. They would. <laughs> but I also love the the montage of Superman saving the day. It wasn't hokey. It was very just like the the, the tone, the overall tone of the movie. It was very, very. I, I don't want to say somber because that's negative, but it was very dramatic. I think somber I mean, doesn't have to be negative, though. Okay, it was very, uh, uh, yeah, just very, um, um, almost. Uh, What's the word? Uh, honorary. It felt very just just seeing him hovering above a woman whose house is being flooded, holding her hand up to me. It was very savior esque. Oh, I mean, there's there's no shortage of uh, Christ like iconography. In oh this yeah, one. I mean they they and, and 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 Snyder and company they just they bled that. Um, I don't think it was overused. I thought those moments were poignant and they were perfectly done, in my opinion. The um, the fight sequences, I think, for a movie that is criticized for being bloated, the fight sequences didn't feel overdone at all. They felt just long enough. They felt just destructive enough. And the the closing like resolution, whether that was the Martha moment, as it's coming to be called, or Superman stabbing Doomsday as he stabs Superman, were were great endings to the fight. It didn't feel like okay, it's been 15 minutes, we need to land the plane. They felt long enough, and uh, and they felt like, I felt like for a movie that was two and a half hours, that felt like enough for me. I didn't get tired of seeing those fights. And it wasn't Absolutely. just fanboy. It was like, whew, like I, I literally made a big old sigh after both fights were over. Um, I, I think, too, one thing I took away from it was I actually, you know, I've seen the criticisms that you know, there weren't enough and I didn't agree with that. I mean, I, I thought that the fights, the fight sequences in this film were, there were just enough. I think they were the right amount. And yeah, it was two and a half hours and maybe it was a little long at times. Um, but for the most part, they were spaced out in a way which it worked for me. I mean, it just worked for me. I didn't feel cheated. Like I didn't get enough. 
Um, right. But there were, they were, they were impactful enough. Like you said, they were they were kind of concise, and they packed a big punch. And so all right. of them felt kind of special in their own way. Whether it was nightmare landscape Omega symbol parademon fight, um, and they were all yeah. different too. You know, like exactly. that one Batman's got guns, and he's you know we we don't even gonna go there because. People, people are freaking out as if Batman's never killed anybody in the comics. Spoiler alert, he has. Um, but yeah, like, you know, he's got guns in that one. And then there's others where he's more ninja-like and using his martial and karate skills and, and uh, hand-to-hand combat stuff. Oh, man. Oh, I'm just thinking about it. It gets me excited. Yeah. But I think I jumped in on you. What were you? What were you saying when I? Cut oh, you I was, off there? well, I was just going to add that, um, and and you might appreciate this from a fanboy standpoint as a Superman fan. The opening sequence with Bruce looking up at Superman, which is in the trailer, and seeing the destruction that Superman and Zod are causing, I actually got a different emotional response to that as opposed to the moment in Man of Steel because in Man of Steel I'm rooting for Superman. Not just as a fanboy, but Superman's the good guy. And you want to see him take down Zod. So seeing this perspective from Bruce's uh, – from, from seeing this from Bruce's perspective, looking up and just feeling this sense of almost helplessness and anger, I remember in the theater going, I'm pissed at Superman. How could you? And, and that was something really different. Even though I had seen it in the trailers, in that moment and seeing how Affleck took ownership of of Bruce Wayne, not jumping in like Batman, but really being a guy trying to save his city, I I, I sided with him and I said, This this is wrong. And so that that alone was enough to help me get set up to say, Okay, I can see where this is going. Did you watch Man of Steel again before going to see this by chance? I did. Yeah, yeah. So, so I did too, and I wonder if that helped kind of inform both of our responses because we we had the same one. I I felt the exact same way as you did. You know, I kind of just watched it again, and mm-hmm. you know, the context at the end of Man of Steel is it's it's totally different. And then you, so I just I loved it. That was that has to be maybe the highlight of the film. If mm-hmm. we're talking like sections of a film, man, right. that first. 10 minutes that opening there they knocked that out of the park they really really did they 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 made it so human and so perfect and it you know for me it i've heard over and over and over that people think there were no stakes and that there's no reason for batman and superman to be fighting but that scene did it for me uh it made me feel like batman had a legitimate reason to be going after superman now maybe maybe not to kill him um but to the start of the the start of kind of worrying about each other. Uh, I, I thought Batman had every reason to be concerned or Bruce Wayne in this case, I guess, whatever, same guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, I just, I just loved it too. It was, it was so powerful and gosh, again, almost brought me to tears <laughs> because <laughs> just, Oh, the way, you know, you're watching, you're watching his, uh, his manager or whatever in the, in the, uh, in his Wayne building, and mm. all you see is the the laser eyes from the Zod and Superman fight just tearing it apart, and you know it's coming down. Yeah, know, and it brings you back to nine eleven and and all this other imagery that we've had. Right, and it right. it hits you. You know, and I I would say that's that's bold of Zack Snyder. Um, I think we had a conversation about six months ago, and I remember saying, you know what, 
maybe Zack Snyder wanted to, and and I say Zack Snyder. What, when I say Zack Snyder, I mean the whole band of creators behind Man of Steel. We're talking Goyer and and all those guys. Um, may and I remember telling you maybe he's got something here with the backslash, the backslash, the backlash that Man of Steel had about the collateral damage and the number of things. And I was thinking maybe that's going to be a premise. Maybe he's going to address that in Batman v Superman. And as I began to read more and watch the trailers, I'm going, you know what? Way to go. Way, way to take what you probably, what was a risky move and turn it into almost a pseudo part two, even though I know this wasn't Superman part two, but the stakes were actually set up in Man of Steel. And we have conflict early on so that other things can get fleshed out. I thought that was I thought that was brilliant. Oh absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you there. Um, I I really like Lex. <laughs> I gotta say it. Um, I know I know this is another div- everything about this Daggum movie is divisive. Some people love it, some people don't. Um, but I loved Lex and I thought that Jesse Eisenberg did a fantastic job of towing the line between crazy and genius um, and, and a little bit insane. Um, but that's that's what I know of Lex, and I don't have to see the same exact Lex over and over and over to be happy. Um, I love that Zack Snyder in all of these characters, they're, they're familiar, but they're not the same. And mm-hmm. this version of Lex was was really well done, and and he probably you know he overplayed it a couple a couple times. I won't I won't lie about that, but the fact that he went all in, man, oh he he sold out for the role, and he didn't leave anything on the table, and I've got to really respect that uh, in him as an artist. Mm-hmm. Batfleck, come on, I mean Batfleck. Do we even need to talk <laughs> about Batfleck? Batman was amazing, <laughs> right? I, for me, this was the best Bruce Wayne that I've seen on screen. Um, I can't, I can't say it's the best Batman yet. Um, I really need, I think a full on Batman film with Affleck (laughs) in it before I would be willing to say that. But I just think that Ben Affleck brought something physically imposing to that role that made Mm -hmm. him feel and look like the Batman that I, I believe the comics, you know, for the most part shows. And then Alfred, I don't know what you thought about Alfred. Did you like Jeremy Irons? I did. I thought he fit really well in that universe. I thought he was a great Alfred. He was strong. He was determined. He was Alfred has always been someone who's been a confidant to Bruce in any iteration. And um, I've read the comics from the New 52 that have come up in the last probably two or three years. And I don't really like how he looks. Uh, not really how he's drawn, but just the, the, the iteration of him as he's as he's being as he's being portrayed, and I thought Jeremy Irons is up there with uh, with previous iterations of Batman, of not Batman, but but Alfred, and uh, yeah, he was he was fantastic. I thought the things that were that he was saying sounded like things Alfred would say. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I even got a kick out of the fact that he kind of had the same alcohol problem that Batman did. You know, we've got. This is such a different Batman than we've ever seen. You know, it's, I think, gosh, what was the comic story where Batman was really old? Was it Kingdom Come? Is that the yes. one where he comes out of retirement? So, like, that's, no. that's the whole thing. We've got, like, this 40-year-old Batman who's been doing this for 20 years, mm-hmm. and he's tired, and he's rugged, and, you know, it's, it's gotten to him. He says it at one point in the film, 
and I thought this was so defining for his character. When he tells Alfred, he's like, we are criminals. We always have been, <laughs> you know, and yeah. he acknowledges it. That's not something Batman says when he's 20 years old and idealistic, right. Right. but 20 years of, you know, cleaning the streets of Gotham over and over and over and never, ever having it fixed will wear the man down. And, uh, and I felt like Alfred, like you said, is that perfect first perfect compliment to him. You know, mm-hmm. they both are willing to have a drink. <laughs> you know, right. he even said, he makes the joke about the future generations of, of Wayne's not having any wine. <laughs> you know, I, I laughed <laughs> so hard at that because it was that like, great. It, you know, it was just so subtle, but probably so yeah. true. Um, yeah. But I, I loved him too, man. I thought he was fantastic. To go back to what you were saying about Ben Affleck, I mean, he, I think like what you said about Jesse Eisenberg, he went all in with this character, not only Bruce Wayne, but Batman and, I agree with you. I think Bruce Wayne, I I think he really owned that. And I came away looking at Batman as a scary dude. You know, I, of all the Batmans, I will probably appreciate Michael Keaton more than anything, because I think with Tim Burton's style, Keaton really owned up to that, you know, you know, I'm Batman, and he was trying to be scary. But he was scary in a 1989 rubber suit kind of way. I, I like Lego and, Batman's I'm Batman the best, of, you personally. <laughs> Mic drop. Sorry. This is a family-friendly podcast. We didn't mention that, by the way. This but is uh, this is a family-friendly podcast, so your kids, who probably shouldn't be seeing Batman versus Superman, because it's a little bit terrifying for young, young children, but um, that, Lego Batman's coming next year, and... They can see that one. Sorry. Go ahead. That's, that's true. Please note there is no Lego Superman movie. <clears throat> <laughs> He's too big for Lego. That's all I'm going to say. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Okay. So, but I, but I think when I, when I look at a guy like Ben Affleck, I was, there were moments in that movie where I was legitimately scared of his Batman because of just the amount, not really just the amount of pain, but the amount of... Well, it was in particular the the moment we see him in action, one of the first moments we see him in action when these guys come in and they see, I guess, these orphan girls or maybe these slave girls. I can't remember specifically. And we we know that he's, quote unquote, saved them. And they're about to, these two guys are about to let them out. And they're like, no, 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 don't, don't let us out. They're scared of them. Because they're scared of Batman. Yeah. I mean, he has invoked this incredible sense of fear, not only in criminals, but in everybody. And you don't mess with that. And there were some points when I was like, this is a horror movie, Batman. This is is. a guy that that I don't want to go to sleep tonight or at least commit crimes in my dreams. Because if Freddy Krueger came out to get me, Batman would be like, you ain't got nothing. He would take out Freddy and then he would take me out. Yeah, you take out Freddy and then he would bat brand you and you would die in prison. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because that's how he gets rid of you these days. Exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. So So cool. Very cool. The armor, though, I love the armor. As well. Oh I, gosh, yeah. The um, so uh, the Batman versus Superman fight for me was another high point. Um, again, pretty much ripped straight out of the comics for those that are are um, dedicated readers of those. One of the greatest comics of all time is named is called The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, and I had just watched the animated version of the movie The Dark Knight Returns. It's a two parter. Highly recommend it for anybody interested in this story. Another great take on it. But if you watch it, it's almost beat for beat the same way that this fight goes down. Um, and it just, it makes me so happy because 
Batman can only beat Superman one way, and that is with his brain. Like, we all know, on a straight-up fight, if, if Superman ever decided that Batman should die, it's over. It doesn't matter what Batman does. But he can manipulate and play off of Superman's goodness that's just a little bit better than his own, right? right. And use his brain to set this this trap where he can weaken him and then, you know, go take him out. I just, I, I loved watching it. It was amazing. And, and it harkened back to the comics so well. Uh, but man, that bad armor that was in the, that was in the comics, um, mm-hmm. this big armored. And I, I saw it in the trailer cause this is one of the trailers I did see that a couple years or a year ago that I actually triggered me not wanting to, uh, watch trailers this year, which is a whole nother story. But I didn't like it in the trailer. I thought it looked dumb. Right, but mm. when it got in context, it made perfect sense. <laughs> just, oh man, it's so good, so good. And when he punches Superman, and he's just punching, punching, <laughs> punching, and then all of a sudden, one of them is like, "Uh oh, this isn't working anymore." <laughs> so great, I loved it. You know, as a Superman fan, I'm obviously going to be biased, but I will say, as much as I can, I, I love the equality of the fight, and I love the fact that where Superman thrives on physicality and being able to dominate physically because he's literally almost indestructible with the exception of his kryptonite weakness, Batman is psychologically superior. He plays off of Superman's quick instincts. Uh, And one moment I remember specifically is his anticipation of, of Superman uh, attempting to run at him. And he throws that smoke bomb kryptonite thing at him. And I remember thinking, I'm going to swallow this, but that's what it Superman would do because he's naive. You know, he is almost unintentionally too arrogant because of his power. And I think the the line that he says from the trailer, as well as when we see it in the movie, stay down. If I wanted to, I could kill you right now. There's truth in that, but there's also some real arrogance. There is. And I think that I think that exposed exposed some serious character flaw in in Superman that they obviously literally and figuratively battled through in those five or 10 minutes of that fight. Yeah. There's also a lack of experience, right? I mean, we're talking about a Superman here who more Christ iconography in man of steel, but he was 33 in man of steel. So Mm. he's not even becoming Superman until he's 33. This is like Mm -hmm. a 40 year old Batman. Who's been doing this for (laughs) two or two or three decades now. Like Batman is, he's been doing this for a while. Right, yeah, and these are completely different, different levels, and so Superman does not have that same experience. Whereas Batman, you know, for what we should be understanding, Batman's already been fighting the Joker. Batman's fighting the Riddler. Batman has has had these these battles over and over and over. Superman's never dealt with this other than Zod. That was it. Mm. He had one fight, you know, mm. one big fight. Um, so it's just he's he's just not ready. Um, like you said, he kind of is arrogant and comes off that way. Right. Right. And, and more, I would say naive. In more naive. Sense. If you, yeah. Yeah. You're if you're right. talking about that. And that's what I hope is, you know, we, we know he's coming back in the justice league movie and, you know, he is again, spoiler alert. He's quote dead at the end of the movie, which I know you're going to get into a little bit of that later. Um, but he, there's what's great about that. I remember reading an article saying the potential for that is that Superman's character could come back in a completely different way. 
you know, he could he could take on some traits that aren't good, you know, that could lead into this nightmare scenario that Batman experiences, or he could become more experienced. I don't know. I mean, the potential that we have for his character development is, for me personally, exciting, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I agree, yeah, his his naivety really, um, really um, a flaw in him. So, yeah, for sure. You know, and I so. I mean, we could talk all day long. Oh, the Wonder Woman music. Sorry, I just, it popped into my head, and be lucky if I don't jump up and start jamming right now, dude. I I, I actually used the Wonder Woman music in the gym after I went to um, the movie. So that, I mean, that just the way that Zack Snyder uses those that metal and that drums, that kind of mm-hmm. tribal drum with that metal guitars. Oh, 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 oh it's like yes. <laughs> This is happening. Oh, it's so good. And and I don't I don't understand the hate for that either cuz it got me pumped. I was ready right. to go. I was ready to jump up and fight with her and die in 5 seconds. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like before we we're going to spend a couple minutes and we'll we'll mention the things we didn't like, but I really want to just say that I want to defend Zack Snyder and the tone of this universe because it's taken so much flack, um, and I just want to give this man props because he has a huge ambition when it comes to this storytelling. Um, he has made changes that have been made before in the comics, but because it's not the common representation of the characters, people are having a hard time accepting it. Um, but I just, he's, he's, he's taking chances, he's trying new things with them, not just Batman, Superman. We, we, we've already talked about it with Lex and Alfred and um, Lois, which is a low point, really. Lois is probably in the don't love stuff. I don't know that she has a lot to do in these films, unfortunately. Except um, get rescued. Ex- well, Except get rescued. That's my point, right? <laughs> you know, for my daughter's sake, and who just recently like brought this up to me when watching a movie, we were watching a film and the other night, and she said about something else, and she said, um, I just wish the girl was more than a damsel in distress. And this is my 13 year old mm-hmm. daughter. And I was like, wow. Okay. Gut punch, you know? And so mm. Lois is definitely in my, what I don't love is I, I would like to see more from her, but anyway, I'm getting off track for a second. Um, I just, I think Zack Snyder stayed true to his vision in man of steel while simultaneously trying to do what everybody knows he did, which is apologize and make up for the ending yeah. that people didn't like. But it doesn't make him a bad director. And mm-hmm. I just want to point out th- that, you know, it doesn't take one move, one man to make a movie. And especially not a movie like this that's opening a universe up of comic book movies over the next, you know, decade. It takes a crew. It takes producers. It takes artists. It takes sound people. It takes, it takes so many talents putting everything together. And they... They all have a vision. Sometimes it's the same. Sometimes it's not. But they, at the end of the day, they come together and they agree on something, a product that they're going to put out. And these people spend months and years, well, years, really, completely consuming this piece of art that they're creating. And it takes a critic or a podcaster an hour or less to do nothing but tear that down. Mm. And so I want to make sure that we're, we're constantly 
keeping that in mind that we're not just liking these movies because um, we want to be different, you know, but we're going into films with a mindset of we're looking for what we can enjoy instead of looking right. for what we won't. Right. Um, and, and, you know, people like Zack Snyder, he's got talent. And you know what? There's no way I could make a movie. He can. So just because it's not the perfect movie for me doesn't make it bad. Right. That being yeah. said, though, you want to shoot off just a couple quick things about what you didn't like about the film? Because I want to be fair. Yeah. I mean, aside from the things that I would say were, were global issues, I won't go into those about the, the, the pacing and whatnot. We've mentioned that. Um, but I will say that something that I kind of snickered at was the blatant apology that I think the writers were making to us as an audience about the amount of physical destruction to buildings and to people and the collateral damage that took place. I remember at least three instances where when Doomsday was on the big billboard, there was a reporter on television saying, it's a good thing that he's here at night when there's nobody downtown, when it's not during business hours. And another moment when I'm assuming this was all in the uh, Doomsday fight where Batman has to lead him to back to Gotham because that's where the, I think where the kryptonite wand is or whatever. The kryptonite wand. And I forget what it was. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's problematic, right? The fact that you, yeah. you are, you have a tendency to forget that. You shouldn't forget yeah. that, but yeah. <laughs> the kryptonite javelin it's or whatever a, it was. It's the spear of death. The it was a crypto spear. stick. Yeah, it's crypto stick. <laughs> yeah. And he specifically says, I'm going to an abandoned port. So I it's, know. Batman says I mean, it two or three times, actually. Yeah. There's no one and, here. And it, it's okay. Yeah. Don't it's, worry, it's audience. Really, <laughs> yeah. And I thought that in particular was sort of, I get it. And I appreciate, I appreciate Zack Snyder and company saying that or, or presenting that. But at the same time, we're not stupid. I mean, even with the amount of destruction that took place, it visibly wasn't near the destruction that the the world engine and Zod and Superman yeah. inflicted. So you didn't have to really apologize for that. What about you? Um, yeah. I mean, like you're saying, there's just a lot of those kind of dialogue pieces that were just out of place um, that pushed the film a little too long. He's trying to mm. be too obvious. Um, I, I didn't love the Jimmy Olsen scene. I, for those that don't know, uh, if you Jimmy Olsen is, is a friend of Superman. He's uh, another is he a reporter. He's a photographer, right? Photographer um, at the Daily Planet in the comics. And in this one, we see him as a photographer with Lois in the desert scene. Um, and Zack Snyder has said in interviews that he just thought it would be fun <laughs> to have, have Jimmy Olsen in the film. And he promptly has him in the film, and within a couple minutes, he's literally executed by being shot in the head. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand that choice. I think Snyder got a little ahead of himself. It's not one I would have made, you know, to just pick a friend of Superman and quickly kill him off just to say you did. Um, it's very weird. Uh, I, I think that I almost wish we could, we could have taken the desert scene out of this movie because I did not like it at all. It just mm. didn't do anything for me. It didn't advance the plot. It it created more holes than anything by the whole bullet issue. You know, right. Excuse me, but like, why why are we even 
why is the government worried about Superman causing this destruction when it's known that all of these people were shot? <laughs> Superman <laughs> doesn't have bullets. Like he doesn't use bullets. Like, it just, it was mind blowing to me. And I think, I think that, you know, I can look over that and say, well, it's because, because of Lois that Superman was there and they kind of, you know, manipulated him, but still just a bad sequence for me yeah. and didn't really care for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there, there were things we didn't like about the film. Uh, we're not, we're humans. You know, I, I, it's not a five star movie for me. Um, it's I, like I said, I've seen it twice in the theaters and I'm probably going to go back a third time before it gets out of there because I want to see it again. And I absolutely cannot wait for the extra 30 minutes in the director's cut. I want to see what Zack Snyder really wanted to give us. And maybe if anything puts those pieces together. Yeah, I will say that uh, for your personal enjoyment, I read that the director's cut will have a little bit more of our Jimmy Olsen before he gets offed. So you'll get a little bit of backstory. Well, there we go. See, right, and that, and that's what I'm asking for because maybe that will make it worth it, and maybe then we will feel that that scene is earned a little yeah. more than we already do. So sure, sure. So yeah, I mean, there's like I said, there's there's stuff you and I both don't like about it, but <laughs> overall, we we enjoyed the film, we enjoyed our right. experience, and we came out of it going, man, what a fun, what a good movie, what a, what a right. cool experience. So we're running a little bit long. Um, Longer than we had planned. We 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 want to keep these to forty five minutes ish in general, um, less than an hour. We're gonna probably go over that this time. That's okay because this is like a introductory episode where we've told you a little bit about what the podcast is. And frankly, this movie is incendiary, and in a lot of ways, this film is the one that pushed us over the edge to create this podcast because we feel like it has a place in this world, and our positive view is a necessity because it's just not mm-hmm. enough of it out there. Right. Um, I, there's a lot, of, a lot of articles that we've read <laughs> that are you know, going back and forth between critics and audience response. Um, and a lot of these I think we're going to end up just putting in the show notes, linking to maybe. Um, maybe we have a Facebook page. We'll talk about that at the end, but you know, maybe we'll put some there too if you want to go check some of these out. But... Were you? What were you going to say about this issue? Well, I was really thinking about that, and I think the challenge facing critical reviews and subsequently basing opinions on those reviews is that, as objective as they try to be, which when you see a critic, when you see the word critic, you maybe you automatically, subconsciously put yourself in a position to say, okay, this guy's objective. Well, we're all critics. I mean, we can't we can't deny that, but. I think that as objective as they try to be, it the critic's going to have some bias to the film, whether it's comparing one version of a character to another from a film or television show, like case in point, you know, Affleck's not as good as Christian Bale, who wasn't as good as so-and-so, you know, going all the way back to that. Um, maybe a movie's plot and story not lining up with the book adaptation that it comes from. Uh, when it comes to those types of films or even directors or writers track record with his previous installments, we know what kind of world we're getting with Zack Snyder, just like we know what kind of world we're getting with somebody like Michael Bay. And so to expect something different, I think is, sorry, is obligatory explosion. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, the I thought you were yeah I thought you were giving me a compliment there <laughs> like you hit the nail right on the head <laughs> no Megan Fox walking across slow and you know with a tank top on that's going to be your your thumbs up moment okay um, but I think those moments are 
you know, the, I think that to expect something different from the creator in the subsequent films is kind of unfair because we know what we're getting. We know what we're getting with a Zack Snyder movie. We know what we're getting with a Michael Bay or a, or a Chris Nolan. And it's great to think that they could do something different, but we don't expect that. I think that was sort of one of the downfalls of M. Night Shyamalan is we got used to the twist at the end. And then when he subsequently got less of that and more weird in some ways, he, and for other reasons, he got less popular and because he was known as the twist guy. Yeah. And now, you know, he's, he's trying to reinvent himself. That's a different topic. But the fact is movies are meant to be seen, not read about. And first and foremost, they're designed, they're designed to express and entertain. And that's why emotional response to a movie is so valuable. Um, emotions leave that lasting impression. I mean, nobody leaves a theater going, man, I love the way that lens flare really accentuated Kirk's face when he was talking to Spock. <laughs> Nobody says that. They're going, dude, Star Trek was awesome. Right. I loved I loved this and I loved that. They're not talking about technical merit. And when you get into that, into the weeds of the technicalities, you lose the spirit of a movie. And, you know, the day I think I said this earlier that the days of the strength of the internet and everyone having a voice, criticism becomes a bullying session rather than a, a constructive environment for creators to learn from their mistakes uh to segue just a minute what i love about steam the the gaming environment that that i use is their opportunity to show off beta games or to have uh wh- what is it called when you have the opportunity to test a game while it's still in development it's early release testing. yeah yeah you... is it, well it's beta testing early there's a word for it early but access to, is what early steam access that's it. what yeah. it is right in a sense that's what that's doing is that's giving ownership to the consumer to say, hey, tell us where we're messing up. Tell us where we're doing good. Obviously, you can't really do that with movies because once a movie's in the can, it's in the can. And you can't really make final cuts when your main audience has seen it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that having a critical ear before seeing a movie can be very detrimental to your personal experience. I think you mentioned it earlier, a great point in making that it's it can sway how you view a film because you go into it expecting something, either something really good and you're disappointed because it's not good or really bad and it's really tough to come out of, you know, when you're looking at all of the, all of the bad that you've read about, you miss all the good because there is good in film. Uh, case in point, Fantastic Four, I remember reading about the reshoots and the bad hair, the bad wig on, uh, is it Kate Mira or whatever her name was that played uh, Kate Sue Mara. Storm? Yeah, Kate Mara. Kate Mara, yeah. And as I'm watching this, I didn't know as I'm watch- you didn't because you didn't know about yeah. it. But I knew about it and I said, you were looking for the it. whole time, yeah. I'm looking for the reshoot scenes. Yeah. And it, I, I admit, it took away from my experience a little bit because I was ignoring what was being said and I was focused on, man, that's a terrible wig. <laughs> as funny as that is, you know, when you know things going in, when you know, um, you, you can make that argument that that criticism is a is a is a responsibility because you need to be informed. But I'm saying, screw that, man. I mean, the trailers are meant to inform too; they're meant to persuade. And I think criticism does the exact same thing. As objective as they might preach that criticism is, it's subjective. Oh, everybody, yeah, everybody's got a bias of some sort, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so. I, you know, just to to end this this part of the talk, I guess, is 
I, I come back over and over and over to this, this quote I read by Kevin Smith, who we all can agree, um, for those that know who Kevin Smith is, that this man knows his comics. You know, he's made comic book movies. Um, he is intimately involved in the medium and has been his whole life. Um, and a thing that he said really resonated with me regarding the way in which we criticize and it's okay to say what you don't like about something but the way in which we do it and he said this he said remember it costs nothing to encourage an artist and the potential benefits are staggering a pat on the back to an artist now could one day result in your favorite film or the cartoon you love to get stoned watching (laughs) or the song that saves your life right so it could result in something amazing but discourage an artist and you get absolutely nothing in return ever so yeah that's that's pretty good um we're gonna put some other stuff in some facebook maybe we'll make a facebook post with some show notes uh to uh talk about some other things um about this topic and just how 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 people can view this particular film but it works for other films as well especially comic book ones um, through a different lens uh, and, and acceptance. So to wrap up, um, staying positive here, we want to talk about our top three scenes. And this is going to be kind of what we do at the end of every episode. Um, we're going to go through our top three scenes each. Sometimes they'll be the same. Sometimes they won't. Um, Patrick, what's yours? What's your first? Right, what's so, your number three? So, I guess let's so start, number, start at the bottom. Okay, so my number three would have to be the moment that I see the Flash show up in... I guess at the tail end of Bruce Wayne's dream, or maybe it's in his dream. We don't really know, but the fact that he's like yelling through this time portal, what, what I mean, I don't know what that is, but, but I'll, <laughs> no one is like, is a dream within a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did he channel his inner, inner Christopher Nolan? <laughs> no one's an EP on this, I think maybe. Yeah. But, um, as much of a Superman fan as I am, there's a close second that exists in Barry Allen as the flash. I love the television show. The comic is great. And I just, there's something great about this clean cut CSI guy. I mean, he's cut from the same cloth as, as, as Superman. And so to see, to see, um, to see Ezra Miller, showing up for that brief moment um, in this flash armor that I remember from the comics, you know, yelling at Bruce Wayne saying, you've got to, you know, Lois is the key. Lois is the key. I'm like, Oh, I'm excited. The fanboy of me is just, I'm, I'm going nuts, man. I'm just like, Oh gosh, I, I'm, oh, I'm yes. That's yes, awesome. the flash, the flash. Dude, yes. The, so this is not in my list. This is, this was an honorable mention for me. I don't know if you caught this. the, the uh, one of the workers at the movie theater when I went to see it the second time actually brought this up to me, but when the Flash is shown and he's standing there and he he pulls the milk out of the cat out of the out of the door or whatever, yeah, and he zips over to stop the robbery. Uh-huh. When he comes back, the milk doesn't even drop; like it literally <laughs> hovers for the time that he's gone. And I just thought that was brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant because it's like a simple piece of editing, right? But it yeah, it shows you visually how fast that guy was going. I thought that was awesome. Fastest man alive. Yes, he is. Um, love it. I love it. How about you? What's your, what's your number, number three? And it was hard for me. I had a lot. My my top three are so close. I love them all. 
But Wonder Woman was a highlight of this film for me. We didn't talk about her enough. So Wonder Woman is amazing. Um, both of us, I know, are extremely jazzed and excited for her solo film. Absolutely, Absolutely. cannot wait. Pumped to take my daughter to that one. I think she's going to love it. Um, I love that we're going to have more strong female characters. We'll get into that in future episodes, how we feel about that um, mm-hmm. specific topic. But um, I'm I'm loving everything about the Wonder Woman uh, character creation. And the, and the, I love Gal Gadot, um, who is playing her. The moment when she is fighting Doomsday <laughs> and he throws her back and pushes her off and she slides backwards. He has her hand on the ground. And she just yeah. looks up at him and grins. Oh, yes. I remember like, that. Oh, my yeah. gosh. She is having so much fun, right? Like she <laughs> is. Awesome. She's fighting, and she is enjoying herself. And for her character, who has already just told, you know, I think she's talked to Bruce Wayne when, when this happened, about how, you know, she gave up fighting for humanity a century ago, and it just kind of got, she's not been doing it anymore. It's like, man, I'm back. <laughs> there is a monster to fight, and this is what I was born to do. And she's yes. loving it. She's not just doing it because she has to. She's doing it because she loves it. And I, I loved it. That, that one quick grin, one of my greatest moments for the film. Uh, your number right. two. My number two, and this uh, this is connected to another movie. Um, I think Kevin Costner plays a great dad and a great son. And I love seeing him in movies like Field of Dreams. And one of my favorite moments in that movie is the very last one. And I have a just, I have a father son connection. I have a son who's who's three, and I'm I'm just I'm loving it. And but I remember when he he he's talking to Ray Kinsella, and he goes, "Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch?" Well, it's there's another one of those moments when when Kalel is walking up, I guess, to the fortress or up north, and he sees we we're, we know it's a vision of his dad because his dad is dead, and he's building this. I don't know. I never found out what it was, this monument or this structure of some kind. And he's telling, he's telling Cal, you know, you've got to be who you've got to be. And he's telling him all this stuff. And at the very end, he just goes, I love you, son. Yeah. And Kal goes, I love you too. And, and this is sort of a cheat, but it's that combined with his conversation with his mom who says, you don't owe this world a thing. I mean, they're both in their own ways telling him, look, be who you want to be. You have nothing that's in your way to stop you. You have no obligations. And it almost makes who he is as Superman more of an internal motive. It's not like he has to save the world. He wants to. Mm-hmm. This is his home. The choice. These are his people. Very much a choice, yeah. He's now owning these people. And it t- again, it ties into the end where – it says, if you're looking for Superman, look around you. Loved oh, it. Oh, I love that line. You know, that was a great, it was just a great moment. So anyway, I, I cheated a little bit with two scenes. You know, but you know what I'm saying? You're setting us up here. You know, this is this is episode one, and we're cheating. Yes. I'm uh, sorry. Was, yeah. <laughs> we're setting a bad standard, buddy. Uh, my number two is the first meeting between uh, Bat and Soups. Man. I, oh, with the, with the Batmobile? Yes, with the Batmobile. Oh, yes. So, so this is my point in criticism. Critics focus on well Bat- batmobile was dragging this car around and oh batman killed some people in that fight you know what none of that even registered to me what registered to me is at the end of that fight when he is flying around corners like crazy and you don't know what's going on and all of a sudden bam he bounces off of superman <laughs> <laughs> and, and <clears throat> superman walks up to him 
And Batman's like completely like rattled and beaten down. He's just been in this big car crash, right? And Superman just looks at him. And this is like, I believe this is their first meeting, right? Their first meeting so, yeah. is Batman versus, and Superman. Right. And this, is, this just tells you like the ego that comes into like what gets them to the ending of this film and why they're fighting. They both got huge egos. They're both like, it's a big machoism <laughs> thing, right? But he <laughs> yes. says, he looks at me, he goes, the next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go. And it's just like, it's like you're telling Batman what to do. What do you expect? How do you think he's going to react? Well, of course he's going to react like he does. And another line that I hated in the trailer, I hated it. That whole, you, you, will you, do you bleed, you will. I hated it in the trailer. But in the context of that moment, when he says that, and he's like, do you bleed? And he waits until Superman's gone. It's in the trailer. It makes it seem like he's like saying it to his face, but he's like saying it to himself. It's a promise. And he's like, I'm going to get you. I'm That's coming. Good. And that That's moment good. was so strong for me and really just sealed everything about what this fight was going to be. Loved it. Loved it. That was great. So what's your last one? So my last one, uh, reluctantly, I'm reluctant to say this one because it involved Batman just kicking some major tail. And it was the it was the scene following his big showdown with Superman and he, he's going off to save Martha. And the whole sequence of him taking down the bad guys with what I consider real choreography, not superhero choreography, Ooh. not I'm just going to throw you into a wall and you're going to go unconscious, but I'm going to grab you by the throat. I'm going to throw you down. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to kick somebody else. And I'm thinking this is the first time that I've actually seen Batman not look wonky in his outfit. Like he feels very, very limber. He looks real flexible. I mean, he looks comfortable in this outfit. Of course he has to be because he's been doing this for 20 years. But, um, but I absolutely loved, loved, loved that choreographed scene. I've recently become a big fan of appreciating choreography. The flash does it really well. Arrow does it really well. Supergirl, not so much, but there's just some great rhythmic fight sequences. And this one had just, in some ways, the choreography in this was better than the fight between him and Superman, in my opinion. Oh, choreography-wise, yeah. But I think it, it needed to be. He's fighting a bunch of guys, you know. Right, Like right. 20, what they say, a couple dozen. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah. Is what they said in the film. But this yeah. was my number one moment, too. So we, we okay, are on great. the same page. We, we absolutely are. And, and I've heard I've heard a lot of people that even hated the film, like, praise this moment. Um so I'm right there with you from everything you said about the way the Batman looks to the choreography. It felt like uh, one of the better action movies I've ever seen is called The Raid. And it felt like a scene of a straight straight out of this this uh, this martial arts flick called The Raid with the, the smoke and the dark. And they don't know where he's coming from. And, um, oh, man, he just kicked so much butt in that scene. And then, you know, the way it ends, the way it ends was the funniest moment in the, the movie. And there weren't a lot well, of, it was not a lot of humor. It was almost none. And that's what, yeah. you know, people have said, have, have looked at as a negative. But when they used it, it was perfect. Yeah. You know, when she's, when he just, he just casually tells, he's like, I'm a friend of your son. <laughs> and she goes, I figured the cape. The cape. Yeah, like, it's great. It's like, oh, yeah. And I'm just grinning and nodding in the theater, man. And it just, I loved it. I loved every bit about that, too. And, That's great. you know, it, it was fantastic. It was a great, yeah. great way to end the fighting of the film. Yeah. Uh, and not end it on Batman versus Superman. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was a good choice to not sure. let their conflict be the ending of a film, but 
something that actually brings them together is the ending fight scene of the sequence. Um, All right. So let's wrap up, get this done uh, in under a minute, under a minute, under under an hour and 15 minutes. Like I said, in the future, um, we're going to try and aim for, I'm guessing maybe 45 minutes to an hour length. Um, We're going to try to keep them under an hour for you guys. I know that it's hard to find time to listen and we really are appreciative of everybody out there that's taken the time to spend, uh, to just converse with us, discuss with us, bring this back to, to us. Um, and so we can keep it going before we talk that real quick. I'm excited for justice league. Me too. Me too. Yep. I'm excited, uh, for the individual spinoff movies, particularly the flash again, Ezra Miller. I'm sold. I I don't know what he's going to bring to the table, but I'm already sold because I just like him as an actor, and I'm just really excited for the solo movie coming out next year. I've heard that there could be a Ben Affleck Ben Affleck directed Batfleck solo film now in the works, or being might be brought into the mix now because of the reception to his character. I hope so. (laughs) As a Batman fan, I want that Mm -hmm. movie so 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 bad. Um, The one that. I'm actually looking forward to, and this is weird. I don't have a huge history with this character in the comics, but I'm ready to see the redemption on the screen. And I do really like the character from what I've seen in the animated series as the green lantern. And they're doing, mm. this is, I mean, we're talking like, I think it's 2020. You were telling me. The yeah. Other day. yeah. Yeah. It's like 2020. So it's a ways off, but like the green lantern core movie has a lot of potential. Um, yeah, for me. I think so too. Um, yeah. DC is also doing a huge comics event this summer called rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, we may or may not be getting in on that. We're both we're both comic book fans, obviously. You know, all entertainment has a price, so we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to see. But for those that are interested, check out what DC is doing with Rebirth. Um, they are lowering the prices on some of their comics, so it might be a good time to to check it out if you're interested. Absolutely. Social media links. So, Patrick, this is the end. Um, where? can people find you if they want to continue this conversation and talk to you and tell you how wrong you are okay well you can find me on you can find me on twitter at uh at shoeless patch s-h-o-e-l-e-s-s-p-a-t-c-h i have recently reactivated my account on facebook so just look for patrick hicks or go to our facebook page facebook.com backslash uh let's see feeling film is that correct Yeah, and uh, you should find me there and just uh, just friend me. Tell me something good about Batman v Superman, and I'll friend you. Otherwise, pay me some money. Yeah, um, and I think that's about it. Okay, for, for me. Cool. Um, yeah. So there is, like Patrick mentioned, there's the Facebook page, um, facebook.com backslash Feelin Film, F E E L I N Film, um, and then we also have a Facebook discussion group. If you want to just type that Feelin Film into the search box in facebook you can find the discussion group um just request to join and i'll approve you it's locked right now so that that you know only people that are part of the group can see the posts that are going to be made in there Um, but come join the group let's get the discussion going we'll post some articles in there for us to further talk about this Um, we want to hear what you have to say we want to find out if there's anybody else out there in the world that thinks the way we do, or are we on an island? If we're on an island, we're going to keep broadcasting, I'll tell you that, because we want to be found. Um, we've seen Lost. <laughs> we don't want to be stuck. <laughs> so we're going to keep broadcasting and, and preaching what we think about the positivity in film and and the way we want it to change. Um, yeah. But we hope some of you will come hang out on our island with us. 
Um, for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron L. White. That's A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. The film's Twitter is Thielen Film, F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M. Last time I'll say that. Um, I'm sure you got it by now. Um, so the, the show has its own Twitter account. You can email us at thelinfilm at gmail.com. Um, you can check me out, Aaron White, on Letterboxd. I'm, I'm on there all the time. I love it. Big plug for Letterboxd. Just got an iPhone app, Android apps in the works. Fantastic site if you like reviewing movies and seeing what your peers have to say. Um, a lot of critical people on there, too. Uh, not critical people, but <laughs> critics um, use Letterboxd a lot, too. It's a great, great, great site for movie lovers. And yeah, that's, I guess that's about it. Um, please above and beyond or what we need is, uh, rating the show. We, we can't keep, we can't stress enough uh, how important it is for you to just share the show with people that you think might be interested. Um, listen, share, rate and review. Um, it's on iTunes. You can go rate us there. We're everywhere else you can imagine Stitcher. Uh, Google Play. If, if 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 it's got a podcast listing, it's probably got us on it. So rate us and review us. Um, get us up that list so that more people can find the show, can listen to us, and can join all of us as we talk about the goodness of the movies and what we enjoy out of them. Um, and hopefully we can all get something out of the emotional response that we're having with these films because that's, that's what it's all about. It's about entertainment and enjoying that experience and it is a shared experience absolutely man and if you get a chance you know hit our facebook page or or tweet us or whatever it is but um more than anything we want you guys to tell us if you saw the movie what was your reaction to it yep what do you you know just your instant reaction you know walked out of the theater what did you say yep we'd love to hear it positive negative or otherwise what was your emotional response to it because as our as our slogan says every movie elicits some kind of response yep every movie makes you feel something exactly all right guys so until next time look for us in a couple weeks with a new episode i'm not sure what that's going to be yet but keep uh, your eye on the facebook page and the twitter account and we'll post about that beforehand so you can get a chance to go check it out and then be ready for the podcast and join us in the discussion all right all right we're out see ya